0: Comments made on the Serotalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Serotech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers.
1: It's time for High Contrast, the latest addition to the talk Podcasting Network, SPN for short. This is a show where we hope to bridge the gap for all of the people stuck kind of in the void, in the middle, between the sight lines, sort of. The ones that are not really normal vision, but not legally not entirely blind i guess i should say i am rodney edgar i do a podcast called tech access weekly over at techaccessweekly.com and i am joined here by additional folks and first to my right will be a virtual right i guess i should say is jeremy curry of gw micro
0: that's a good one rodney
1: it's going well, and hopefully we can have a good show here. I'm also joined by, to my virtual left, from AI Squared, we have Mari Hill.
2: Hi, Rodney and Jeremy.
0: Good to see you, Mari.
2: You too. Nice to meet you. Yep,
1: glad to have you both here. I guess we should probably start out with sort of what kind of vision do we have? Because we're kind of across the board uh, as far as our vision acuity and Sort of what your professional background is. So let's start out with Mr.
0: Curry. Well, I've got uh, an eye condition called cone dystrophy. I think I'm probably one of just a handful around the world that have it. Uh, so basically, my central vision's dying out. I'm what they call photophobic. So I wear sunglasses all the time because light really bothers my eyes. And um, I uh, can see, <laughs> depending on the day, it kind of really varies anywhere from like 2,100 to 2,400 um, or even down to zero because if I get too much light in my eyes, it becomes really, really painful. And so I've got to shut my eyes and go on as a as a totally blind person. So it's just up and down depending on uh, where I'm at in the day, what time of day, how much light I've been exposed to, eye fatigue, all those fun things that we get to deal with. Um, I actually use a guide dog even though I have some sight. So that's not too common for a person with low vision. Uh, But since I travel all around, being the director of training for GW Micro, the the dog really helps me out quite a bit, even more so than just using a cane so I can move through places very quickly and move through hotels quickly. He's a great identifier. Of course, uh, as all of us in this wonderful low vision nexus have, uh, have found ourselves is that If you look totally blind, people treat you like you're totally blind, and so they're usually a bit surprised to find out that I've got some sight. And So that's kind of interesting at times to be able to see some of those reactions from people. Uh, That's just a little bit about about my background, as as I'm sure when we move throughout the various episodes of this uh, brand new podcast, I'll I'll give you more information on where I've been in the past and kind of where I've come from and uh, when I started to lose my sight, but I don't want to take all the the uh, glamour. So uh, I'm going to pass the microphone over to Miss Maury.
2: Thanks, Jeremy and Rodney. I'm Maury Hill, and I have Stargardt disease, which is juvenile macular degeneration, which means I have very poor central vision, but absolutely normal peripheral. So what that means is text is very difficult for me to read. I can't recognize faces. Yet, I can walk around fairly normally. Um, It's funny because I'll be jogging in the morning with no assistance, and then I might need help crossing the street (laughs) later on in the day. I am in the process of learning how to use a cane. I don't really need it all the time, but there are instances where I come across steps or curbs that I didn't know were there. And so for my own safety, I am starting to learn to use one, and I might actually even try it out next week when me and my my daughter and I go down to New York City. So wish me luck on that. I have worked at AI Squared for 11 years. AI Squared makes a product called Zoom Text, which is a screen magnifier and screen reading software program so that I can use the computer. And I worked in tech support for 10 years. So if you're a Zoom text user, it's pretty likely that you have talked to me over in the past decade. In the past year, actually almost two, I have been writing for our blog at aisquare.com slash blog and just kind of writing about my experiences as Radney described in the void between seeing and not seeing. And that is my story.
1: All right. Well, I am the odd duckling out of this bunch because I am not in AT. I am not in accessible technology. I do a podcast uh, over at techaccessweekly.com. But I do not work in the industry. Uh, I actually work in the fun world of banking, where I actually try and support ATM systems in the world of COBOL that hasn't really changed since the 1960s. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh, I have a condition called Coloboma, which is like a keyhole design sort of in the retina that sort of makes me trapped in the... I can't really see great that far off, but I can't really see that great up close either. My left eye is better than my right eye. My right eye is more cataracts filled. It's probably like a 2400. I usually tell people when they give us the old. So how do you see? I usually say, well, imagine putting a piece of wax paper up against your eye. And that's pretty much how that eye is. Um, I kind of freak people out because they don't really notice. I'm kind of I don't walk with a cane, I don't use a dog, don't use anything that really signifies me other than I might look at you a little funny because I don't quite figure out the faces. So, I kind of go along with the way everything is. I've been doing this for about 10 years. I worked at the University of North Carolina for about 8 years. Eh, I guess I can't do math that well because I've only been like 15 years of being in IT. Anyway... Uh, hopefully we can do some sort of a profile on the host at some point soon so that you can sort of figure out who in the heck is behind the microphones that you're listening to right at this moment. But, uh, hopefully we can bring some good content here on SPN and plug our own things to get more listeners and readers. Okay. So let's get started with one important topic and that is the world of exercise, Apparently there are a lot more blind users actually running and running unguided as well. Uh, we have a wonderful article about two ladies in South Carolina who are running in a marathon and they were planning to do the half K and the full K uh, various. And does anyone here run? I guess would be the question.
2: I run Rodney. And I like this article, especially about the two sisters who one is visually impaired and one is not. And they tether to each other. And although I went to the tether thing and the other woman who's legally blind in this particular race is not tethered to anyone. But I think it's cool that it's a way for two sisters, one visually impaired and one not to do this together, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and so I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Rachel Weeks is the one that uh, runs with her sister. Uh, I guess she suffers from Usher syndrome uh, that basically affects both hearing and vision, which is Ah. a little bit of a double whammy
0: there.
2: Right. Yeah, that explains it.
0: It's really interesting to see. I'm kind of the person who tries to avoid exercise at all costs if I can. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, to be able to have that um, tethering together and then trying to uh, maneuver around that relationship, it it kind of reminds me of um, using my guide dog, except trying to do that at a much faster pace with a person. It would be really difficult, I would think, but uh, it's pretty cool to see that. And I can imagine there must be a lot of other people out there who are now thinking about this just because it's been done. And I, I don't know how often this is done. I'd actually never heard of this before.
2: Yeah, I hadn't either.
1: Yeah, and Amy McDonough, who uh, is age 35, I guess she's more of a professional runner. Uh, she ran the full marathon in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, back in March. That's where this basically took place. And she supposedly tries to run without a guide, Whatsoever. Mm-hmm. She's, she's got the hearing impaired as well as uh, vision loss uh, since age, I think it said 19 or so.
0: And I think she even suffers, is it from Usher syndrome, I believe? So she's got some hearing issues as well?
1: Uh, she's got that and... Um, Another syndrome, too, that caused her to lose vision. Uh, But she's more accomplished. She's actually won the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon. I wonder if that was uh, (laughs) supported by WKRP.
0: (laughs) Heck of a name for a marathon.
1: (laughs) Uh, She actually is hoping to run the Boston Marathon. Uh, I don't know how well that works because she sort of goes off of the people in front of her. She sort of follows someone in a pack and sort of keeps up with them to figure out where she needs to turn and everything.
2: I could understand that. I've run a few half marathons, not lately, but, (laughs) and yeah, yeah, I would be nervous like where there was a turn, but as long as I was around other people, I didn't have to worry about it. And usually at a turn, there would be some sort of traffic person telling you where to go. But, it, you know, it depends on your vision. For me, my peripheral vision is normal, so I can see the bodies around me. I, I don't know who they are, but... <laughs> and curbs might be an issue. So the last race I ran, I was which was just a 5K, I walked the course first because part of it was through the woods, Hmm. And I knew there was roots, so I went to see where the roots were. And in in the old days, I didn't do that because I had better vision, for one, but I didn't like knowing the course ahead of time because I didn't like to know how far I had left. (laughs) 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 It was a psychological thing. But uh, this past one is like, you know, I better walk I better walk it first.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think Amy had her husband drive her around mm-hmm. the actual route in order to try and get familiar with it. So that's a little bit of a different tactic. I, I don't know if I could really figure out where I was going if I was just driving, but I don't think mm-hmm. she has really yeah. good uh, peripheral vision. But I did do some searching on the internet before we did this, and I did find uh, No record of Rachel Weeks in the Columbia Marathon, so I don't know whether she actually participated or not, but Amy actually won the marathon uh, for women and completed it Mm -hmm. in three hours and four minutes. Wow.
2: Wow, that's really fast.
1: Yeah, that's moving.
0: The very cool thing about this for me is to watch these people overcome challenges. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but despite my visual impairments so what i like to do is try and overcome as much as i possibly can and amy was talking about um you know she was saying she lives in ohio where it was really dark and dreary and she decided that just because she's visually impaired doesn't mean she couldn't get out and do something and so she's taking every possible step to go out and compete in these things something she likes to do and uh makes her active so that's what i think is just awesome about this yeah
2: for me i I can't live without exercise it just makes me deal with life so much better especially being visually impaired it just makes me handle it a lot better i feel good maybe not during the run but (laughs) 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 but certainly after i just get this good feeling and i'm like why do i feel so good and then i realize it's because of the the run,
1: hmm. yeah. My uh, my experience with exercise is I used to do it a lot more. Then I got busy with work, and that sort of kills mm-hmm. the exercise. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Back growing up and everything, I used to play basketball a lot. Then I sort of damaged my knee, uh, so I can't really run that well anymore. I can get up to a good little trot, but that's about it. The biggest extent I've been able to do over the years is to use a Nordic track skier because that's sort of low impact and then possibly a treadmill. That's about the extent of what I do. So what kind of things is everyone else trying to do?
0: One of my biggest issues is it's very similar to yours, Rodney. I travel quite a bit. So every single hotel you have has their own gym, but obviously each treadmill is different than trying to learn how to operate every single one, Uh, trying to figure all the controls out. It just It takes so much time, plus you're always just so tired when you're traveling, it becomes difficult. Fortunately, I live out in the country, so when I do, when I'm actually home and actually get the gumption to to get out and do some exercise, I can just kind of walk along the side of the road with my guide or with my wife, or um, if it's a really good day, I could just look down and follow the edge of the road. But uh, trying to get out and use treadmills that are just different each and every day I find really, really difficult.
2: Yeah, I noticed Yeah, it that. is quite boring. <laughs> it, yeah, treadmills are tough to take for me. But in a hotel, you know, you do what you got to do. And I did notice that right. last time I went to a hotel is, wow, you know, <laughs> I, I could not figure it out. And other people couldn't figure them out either. So <laughs> 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 they should be standard.
1: So it was mostly a gym with uh, different machines. You go from one station to the next, that kind of thing? Yes. Or was it more just stair steppers and that kind of stuff?
2: Yeah, they had a variety of stair steppers, the elliptical machines. You know, some of them you can kind of use without figuring out the electronics because they'll move somewhat, and those are the ones I pretty much stick to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I tried to use an elliptical once, but uh, I felt like my knees were trying to hit myself in the chin, so I decided, (laughs) "Eh, this isn't quite working. (laughs) Some people said I was using it wrong, but I'm not sure about that there are a lot of different ways to try and be motivated when actually doing exercise such as playing music listening to podcasts like things on the sarah talk podcasting network i guess or um possibly using an app for your mobile device that goes along the lines of this zombies comma (laughs) run
0: (laughs) i love this thing
1: so this is an app that uh naomi alderman in the uk came up with Uh, she was doing a beginning running class and somebody said well why do you want to do a running class and one of the people in the class said well i want to be able to outrun the zombie horde so i guess she wants to be able to just be a little bit faster than the other people in the room so that she doesn't have to sort of duck under a car or hide in a tank or something like they might have to do on the walking dead.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Apparently uh, if you don't walk fast enough, the app comes and says, I I can't remember exactly what it says, but it says the zombies have gotten you or something like that. So you can hear them getting closer and it's made for sighted people just to have that uh, ability and that motivation to just keep on going to move faster and faster and faster. And what a great idea. Yeah. What a great idea. I think
2: it's excellent. What I thought was cool is they specifically made the app so you didn't have to look at the screen to use it. And they did it for safety, like if you're in traffic, with not keeping the visually impaired in mind just for anyone running and wanting to be safe out in the streets. But I kind of like the concept of a game where you don't have to look at the screen.
0: So it makes you kind of wonder, you know, what could be next? What could uh, be an app that sighted people would use that wouldn't allow them to look at the screen and doesn't require us to look at the screen either. Right. Makes you wonder what other ideas are out there that haven't been invented yet. Yeah. Yeah, I kind
1: of wonder if you could actually use this on a treadmill or do you have to actually be going around a neighborhood, going around a track, you know, maybe it's working yeah, off of the of GPS sensor to sort of know whether you're actually doing anything Uh But, yeah, I I looked at this in the iOS store today, and it was, I believe, $8 for this app. And that just seemed Hmm. a little bit much for uh, something like that. But it was the number one grossing project on Kickstarter last year by getting $72,627 in proceeds.
2: Wow. Wow.
1: So a lot of people believed in this project, and they actually created something that... I'm assuming people are using, whether they're losing weight at it. I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people really want to help run zombies, I suppose.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never know when you're going to need to.
2: (laughs) That's that's right. (laughs) I remember running in a race and I was really kind of motivated because the last race I ran, I didn't do so well and kind of humiliated myself. And this woman runs by at, quite a good clip. She was much shorter than I, wider than I, and I thought, okay, her demons are bigger than mine. I'm never going to keep up with her. (laughs) So give it up.
1: Maybe it was just the perception because her feet were moving so much faster.
2: Yeah, that could be.
1: My wife is blind, and if we go to like walk around the neighborhood or something like that, I have to walk at a much slower pace because uh, I'm six two, she's five three and she takes like four steps to my one step. So uh-huh. it causes a little bit of a difficulty. We hadn't tried the tethering thing yet. Cause eh, I don't know. I can just see me stopping and being slammed into from behind.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you say tethering and having your wife tethered to you in a, in a mall or something, all I can envision are like those little kid leashes that parents have. And I,
1: yeah. Yeah, um, or the kid in the doorway on the bounty bounce or whatever they call it, you know, yeah. just sort of stuck there. I'm sure it
0: would work out too well if I tried one of those with my wife, because my wife is sighted, and plus I'm I'm just like you, Rodney. I'm six four and she's five three, so if I pull away, I might knock her over, <laughs> which wouldn't be good.
1: Yeah, I have to be reminded every once in a while. My legs are not as long as yours. Yeah. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> So it kind of, it kind of causes a problem i've thought about just getting a skateboard and pulling her along but that kind of defeats the purpose well seeing as how it is april and this podcast is launching after the fact that the and atia i guess i should say that's my southernism coming out and csun uh also uh has wrapped up and jeremy was actually at the conference And I'm just kind of curious as to if you saw anything that we should sort of point out as being a cool gadget that somebody might want to find out about.
0: Yeah. CSUN always has some uh, neat things. I'm I'm fortunate enough. I get to go to most of the shows. So CSUN had some things that had been at ATIA, but if you had not been at ATIA, that would have been new for you at CSUN. And probably the coolest thing that I saw this year was this new thing called the Flick camera. That's F-L-I-C-K. And what it is, it's a, it's a, uh, basically an arm-style type camera, a uh, CCTV video magnifier that does both close-up and it does distance. Now, if you know anything about the arm-style CCTVs, one of the biggest challenges for students and people who use them has always been that when you have to flip the camera from its down position up to try and aim at a chalkboard or something, it can be really difficult to get that aimed correctly, and they wobble around a little bit, and it's it's really hard. So, what the flick camera does is it tries to solve that problem by being motorized. So instead of you manually grabbing the camera and moving it, it can remember its last position. You press this button, and it just automatically moves from the down position up to distance viewing. And it's probably the coolest thing there that I saw related to uh, low vision stuff. I I thought it was a pretty slick idea. It's got um, some integrated software with it that's touchscreen, so you can move it around all by pressing just the buttons on a touchscreen monitor, which is pretty neat, in addition to having OCR capability. So it would uh, zoom back down and start to read things. And it's a project between two different companies, iAssist and then a hardware company, which I I can't remember the name of the company right now because they're not a big prominent name in the industry, but uh, they've had a lot of robotics that they've done in the past because the company that made the hardware for this actually makes, or or did, I should say, make parts for the space shuttle. When it used to go up, they would contract with NASA to make certain parts. So that's kind of cool to see those same engineers that were working in things with the space program now start to make things for AT. So that was very cool, probably the number one thing I saw there. And then, of course, there were some uh, other things that other companies were coming out with, such as Humanware. They had their new version of the Synergy that was out there. Enhanced Vision was talking about their new transformer, and they also alluded to some things that will be coming out in the very near future. And so hopefully we'll see what those things are. And uh, Magnesite, if you know Brian Smith, owner of Magnesite, he was showing off his new 24-inch HD model, which is pretty cool as HD really starts to become the standard of video magnifier technology. Everybody's kind of shifting that direction now. So... I'm sure that you can hear all of the information about all these products on the Talk, uh network in regards to the coverage that they had about CSUN. And I think they even have some YouTube videos out there as well. Yeah, we're going to
1: include the uh, links to some of that in the show notes for this. And you can find a lot of those podcasts that Tech, uh released on the SPN by going into sarahtalk.com or hitting the iBlink radio. Uh, So was the CSUN conference as good as normal years, or does it seem to be sort of same stuff as last year, just maybe minor updates?
0: You know, there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff out there this year. Uh, I'd say it was more minor updates. There wasn't a big, I guess a big smash hit product like there's been in the past. It seems like usually there's a big smash product that just kind of takes the whole, conference by storm, but we really didn't see that this year. This year was more of a incremental changes. Um, I guess you might say the the flick camera, you know, if if you want to call that the big smash whiz bang product that took the show, that'd probably be about as close as it got this year.
1: Okay. And I guess people were saying that the conference was more of a social event, which I guess is kind of a good thing because a lot of the visually impaired community, they communicate over Twitter and Facebook and things like that. But never really get a chance to actually meet people in person. Did uh, you partake in a lot of that?
0: You know, I always have lots of different meetings and things, and my schedule is usually just packed uh, almost completely, but I I try and socialize with whoever I can because I've got a lot of friends in the industry, and it's always good to see them. Of course, there was a tweet up, so if you're on Twitter, you could go to the tweet up and actually meet all those people in person. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go to that, but there were events like that And yeah, it is a pretty large social event. You know, it's a very small industry and a lot of us all know each other. So it's kind of a good time that when we have extra time, which is usually very limited to all get together and just chat about what's new and what things are going on. And so yeah, there's a lot of socializing there that uh, makes the conference real fun to be at.
1: Okay, so I got to ask one question. You opened it up by mentioning a tweet up. Mari, (laughs) what is your experience with (laughs) tweet-ups
2: to get you in
1: this conversation?
2: Well, I took the opportunity of CSUN to try Twitter for basically the first time, and so I started adding some people to follow, and although I didn't see my followers go up very much, but (laughs) I... I added all the people, my coworkers that went to Sun, and you guys and other people I knew that would be there started following them, which was kind of cool because uh, it kind of felt like I was there. And Laura Legendary, who I had spoken to on the phone before but never met, and she tweeted something like, uh, tweet up uh, such and such, two o'clock tomorrow, send me your phone number. So I was like, oh, okay. So I sent her my phone number, and she calls the next day, and she's like, okay, where are you? And and I'm like, well, I'm at the Spiral Press Cafe in Vermont. (laughs) And she laughed, and she explained what a tweet-up was and that you had to be physically there. So that was kind of funny, my first experience. If only
1: that would have been on April Fool's Day. Right, That would have been perfect. (laughs) 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 well it is april as we have mentioned and in march there was a wonderful little 10 inch little thing came out from the wonderful folks over at apple is it apple computers or did they drop computers i think they dropped the computers but anyway they came out with the wonderful ipad 3 hd new iPad, iPad third generation is still under debate even a month later. Uh, on March 7th, the iPad was announced on March 16th. It arrived on doorsteps all over the world and it arrived on my doorstep as well. Uh, did anybody else around here get an iPad third generation, I guess we'll call it?
2: No, I have an original iPad, but I did get my hands on an ipad 3 i'll call it the new ipad at work for a little bit so i was able to compare side by side a little bit
0: i don't have the new ipad but once the new ipad came out i got an ipad 2 so i'm a bit behind but uh I like the iPad 2. It's pretty decent. So
1: you acted sort of as a gazelle for someone. You know, you took their old gadget and made it your own. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) But I guess with the new iPad, uh, iPad 3, for those that are keeping score at home, the biggest changes are that the resolution doubled. It now is considered a retina display for the 9.7-inch screen. It has a... Better camera, because now it is actually a 5-megapixel camera that is, I believe it is the same sensor as what you would get in the iPhone 4 that came out two years ago, but it has the lenses that are updated for the iPhone 4S. Uh, Another change would be probably the A5X processor, which is a dual-core processor, and I guess it has quad-core
0: graphics. Yep, I think you hit... uh Most everything on the head. It wasn't a huge change, which I I thought was kind of strange. It's a tiny bit thicker and just a tiny bit heavier than the iPad 2 to accommodate everything.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like it is back to the weight of the iPad 1. uh, Yeah. In thickness and in weight, because they did actually boost up the uh, battery in there uh, to, I believe it was 45 instead of 25 as far as the rating on the battery strength. Oh, and it does have LTE for the Verizon and Mm -hmm. AT&T networks here in the US, which I'm kind of getting varied uh, responses with that. I can go anywhere from one meg up to about 35 megs down and up uh, here in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Uh, Mm -hmm. I believe places like the EU and Australia and other places are complaining because they're sort of seeing it as false advertising because it's not compatible with any four G other than those of us in the states here.
2: Have you played much with using the iPad three as a GPS?
1: I have played a little bit with the Motion X GPS. Uh, that is, I believe it's like two ninety nine in the iOS store. Uh, it seems to work pretty well, Uh big large screen, I will point out too, that actually brings us right into something important. In choosing an iPad, uh, if you want to be able to use a GPS, you really have to get the LTE version so that you actually have the GPS chip and sensor and all that good stuff so that's like $129 extra for that. Uh, If you just buy the Wi-Fi version, you would not be able to use it for a GPS, from what I understand. Right. But yes, it seems to work pretty well. Uh, I have put it in non-LTE mode, and it'll track right along perfectly fine. The Motion X has nice, large buttons and displays, so that is a good thing when you're looking for a GPS app. Plus, MotionX GPS will allow you to download the maps to the iPad. So if you're planning to do a lot of traveling and download a lot of apps, you probably will want to look at the 32 gig model just so that you have enough room to store that data as well as the larger apps that you'll be purchasing over and over again. So what are the basic impressions? Because I'm seeing a lot of different articles out there that are saying, okay, it's got a faster processor. Yeah, Uh, I did see a CNET article where they were doing sort of a side-by-side comparison, and the processor really kicks in when you're doing video encoding with iMovie or you're saving a lot of files with iPhoto. It'll actually beat the iPad 2 by maybe a couple seconds. Uh, But Mm -hmm. in just opening apps and viewing web pages and things, it's sort of milliseconds or tenths of a second difference.
0: It's not really a huge thing. One thing I'm really curious about, just that probably affects most of us, is how does this new display look when you're using uh the zoom feature or when you actually pinch I guess pinch out to to zoom in without using Zoom, but just as a, a sighted person would do. I know with the iPad 2, it's got a really nice image, but once you zoom in so much, obviously, you're going to get some pixelization. Do you see those types of things using zoom or using the pinch zoom with the iPad 3? Well, Mari, you've played with all three, so I think you can kind of... Sure.
1: Well, I, I know the iPad 1 doesn't have any good zoom because it doesn't have a camera, but what about the 2 versus the Yeah, third? but
2: you you have the, you know, for zooming what's on the screen, which I use a lot. Yes, I compared the original iPad 2 and the new iPad side-by-side at work, and honestly, I think the visually impaired who are able to appreciate visual content on a screen like the iPad are huge winners with the new iPad because of the better resolution. And what that means for someone who's visually impaired is if they can use this device with some magnification, they're going to get Beautiful, crisp, clean text and images, even magnified at the maximum 5X. So I think, depending on your eyesight, this is a big win for a lot of people who are visually impaired, in my opinion.
1: So it'd probably be kind of like going from a 3GS to a 4, because that was sort of a little bit of a degraded display, and then the 4 came out with the retina, and it's just like crisp. Right,
2: right. And I, for example, I opened the Maps app in the different devices and on the original iPad and iPad 2, which I felt were similar in quality when you're using the Zoom, the text quality, um, there's a bit of fuzziness, especially in the Maps app, like looking at the street. But on the iPad 3, boy... It's nice and crisp, and it doesn't mean it's like a luxury, oh, it looks better. It's easier on your eyes, you know? If you're not squinting because it's a little bit fuzzy.
1: It pops.
2: (laughs) Yeah. If you don't have to try as hard to read that street name, then you're going to be better off. So I think the iPad 3 is great.
1: I had pretty good responses as far as using the camera, you know, to sort of look off at a distance, and that was a little grainy once you really expand it, but uh, it seemed to be pretty good as far as using it as a viewfinder. I think you had mentioned that I had never really even thought much about, hey, let me look and see if I can read something off at a far distance with it.
0: Now you mentioned using the camera. Did you notice, Maury, that uh, the image stabilization helped? That was a new feature they added this time around, too,
2: for taking a picture or using something like Vision Assist.
0: Um, for either one, more or less, I guess taking a picture probably is what I'm thinking. Or if you're trying to use it as a, a viewfinder, right. sort of, do you jiggle as much between the two yeah. or three?
2: I had a little bit hard time taking a photo. I didn't take that many photos, but. I noticed one photo I took, some of it was blurry and some of it wasn't, which I don't really understand. It seems like it should all be blurry if it's blurry.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess it has that tap to focus. You can sort of tap in the middle of the screen in order to get it to focus on one particular spot. And then if you sort of wiggle from side to side, it'll actually hold your focus on that. So if you focused on someone's face and you sort of bobbled a little bit, it would keep their face focused i believe is the goal of that uh, little square that comes up in the middle of the screen okay i think that might be a little tip for people to try and figure out and how to best use the focus
2: yeah i didn't play with it enough but i do know at least one person visually impaired who hadn't used a digital camera for years because menus that she couldn't see and she got an ipad too and now she's able to use a camera again.
0: And you mentioned the Vision Assist app. Is that something that you've had a chance to play with much?
2: Um, probably Rodney played with it more, but I checked it out and I thought it was real interesting. Would you call it kind of CCTV-like? I mean, not really. It's
1: sort of like that. Uh, it's uh-huh. it's an app uh, called Vision Assist. It's by SlinkyWire, which... Uh, Contacted me over at TechAccessWeekly.com and gave us two or three promo codes for that. So full disclosure, don't want to get accused of anything there. Uh, but I checked it out, and it seems to be a very good app. Uh, it does take into account the camera. It does seem to actually increase the zoom that you can actually pull in on. I was oh. able to use the camera app on the iPad and go against a whiteboard off at a distance. And I, I could kind of read it off at about 15 feet from me. But when I took the actual vision assist, I was actually able to get in on it really close and I could almost see the pin strokes off at 15 feet. So it, it huh. seemed like it almost took it up to maybe an eight zoom possibly. I'm not sure what level it is. Their documentation really doesn't say anything about that, but yeah, it kind of works as a closed circuit television. Almost.
2: There were some documents hanging on the wall at work, you know, like letters from customers, and I didn't get very far away. I just got far enough away to capture the whole document and then was able to immediately zoom in and be able to read it, and I thought that was pretty cool. But another thing I tried was I thought, hmm, this could be the answer to reading hymns in church. When I'd go to church— I like to sing along with the hymns, and sometimes I use an electronic portable magnifier like the Pebble or the I Love You, which works pretty well, but the song ha- can't be too fast or I can't keep up because of the different verses. You know, you have to go from one line and then find, okay, verse two in the next line and so forth. So it's not like just reading a straight letter. You have to jump around a lot. So I thought, hmm, maybe this vision assist would be the key. I tried it out and I wouldn't say it was any better than using a portable magnifier. You could zoom it up and then you would use your finger. You'd have voiceover off and use your finger to move around the screen to where you want to see the words. But for the same reason, a portable magnifier is a little bit awkward moving to the different verses. The vision assist in reading the hymn was also a little awkward. So it, it was kind of a toss-up on that one.
0: Maury and I were kind of talking about this a little bit offline. Um, there's some other technology out there that can be used in conjunction with the iPad. There's an app that my church uses called uh, Proclaim. And so... What's really cool is everything that they have on the the projector, whether they're hymns or Bible verses or whatever they happen to be, gets pushed out through a wireless network, and so I'm able to actually see it on the iPad then and be able to, instead of using it like a portable magnifier, just use the zoom feature or pinch zoom to be able to follow along, which is kind of cool. So there are multiple ways to be able to use the technology too to be able to accomplish what we want, which is really nice.
1: Yeah, and I think the real confusing thing, uh, I think Mari ran into it, was how to zoom, because you have to sort of do that, spread your fingers in order to zoom on iOS 5.1 on the iPad instead of having the little slider bar. Uh, The Vision Assist actually has a slider for contrast and a slider for magnification, so that's kind of a good thing. Uh, So I guess the real question is, for a totally blind person, it doesn't seem that it would be probably a real buy as far as over getting, say, the iPad two for what is it, the three ninety nine price tag that they're now offering it for, or even the two ninety nine that they're offering the refurbished models. If you check out the uh, surplus store on that at Apple, so is it worthy of a buy?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm in a, a way, <laughs> we're, we're in a way we're win- winners there too because if you're purely a voiceover user okay now you don't have to spend the big bucks on the retina display of the ipad 3 you can get the ipad 1 or 2 but of course there are other differences that you you know you want to consider also
0: i'm going to say from my view i i don't think the ipad 3 is quite worth it especially if you're just using voiceover you get the retinal display i guess it depends on how long you can use it i can usually use zoom for a while until i have to switch over to voiceover But uh, in my case, I'm also pretty frugal as well. So I just opted to buy a used iPad 2, and it seems to work just as well and less than half the price, which is always nice to save some of those greenbacks.
1: Yeah, I have to say that for me, it was a buy because I didn't have an iPad whatsoever. Uh, I'd sort of held out because I didn't really think of it. I wanted it when it was the first one, but then I was like, you know, the next one is going to be even better, and then possibly the one after that, even better than that. So once the two came out and everyone said, well, the camera is only like a one-megapixel camera, and it's just crud. So I said, okay, I'll wait. I'm not that impatient, but then once the three came out and it was... Hey, here's a new display. Here's new camera. Here's a new speed processor and everything. I had to uh, jump on that. Yeah, uh, my wife uh, uses VoiceOver exclusively, and she's kind of like, uh, I can use my iPhone. I don't really see a point in it uh, because it's easier. F- it is easier for her to type on the iPad than the iPhone, but. She just doesn't see a tremendous amount of functionality improvement. So I guess if you're a visually impaired person and you're on the fence, you've got a year to decide before the next one comes out. <laughs> well, one
2: thing we t- right. unless there's a yeah, mini right. one. <laughs> well, one thing we didn't mention is having the dictate on the keyboard for the iPad three versus the True. iPad one and two, which is nice.
1: Yes. Still no Siri. But everyone complains that Siri is sort of eh, haphazard, depending on where you're at, even getting a few lawsuits out there. Uh, Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I was kind of curious as to when you were comparing the one and two, you said the fonts and things were fuzzy. Did you notice any difference when you actually took, like, say the email or something and blew it up to like 56 point font? Because I know that's something that I do is at work, I actually have it blown up to like 36 point, I think, so that I can actually almost read it like a normal Mm -hmm. person sitting off at about two or three feet.
2: I did a little bit. The iPad 3 was better when you're using the large font. I have mine at 56 point. And if you use the zoom on top of that, then for sure, you'll get better magnification on the iPad 3. And in addition to that, In the text that's not in message containers, for example, in the mail app on the left, you have the list of emails in your inbox, which you can't take advantage of the large text over there. It just remains small. When you magnify that on the iPad 1 and 2, it's quite fuzzy. But on the iPad 3, it looks much, much better. So a little bit easier on your eyes And I typically use the voiceover on the iPad, but once in a while use the Zoom. But I feel like I I need both. So I do take advantage of of both features.
0: Yes, the real difficulty with the iPad is that it can't address both magnification and speech at the same time. I think there's a, a large need for that that Apple really hasn't taken the opportunity to address yet. Yeah,
2: that would be cool.
1: Yeah, I would like for Zoom just to follow the cursor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that's all I, that, That's all I want if I'm typing an email, I don't want you to go all the way to the top left corner. I want you to follow the cursor, follow my typing, 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 follow, follow and oh. you know, uh, are there are there any improvements that you kind of hope for in another version, sort of where the iPad sort of fell short?
0: I think they've got a long way to go. I, I, you know, I'd love to see like a, a Zoom text for iPad is what I'd like to see. But uh, like Maury was mentioning, you've got the left-hand pane and the right-hand pane inside of the mail and some inconsistencies on what text is magnified and what text isn't. And even in that right-hand pane inside the email app where the, the text is, you'll still have, for example, a little link that says Mark. And it's still very, very, very small. It doesn't get... Uh, a font increase even if you've told it to be at at a large 56 point font and so there's a lot of work that Apple has to do I think to make it really 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 good it's decent right now but uh, there are a lot of things that could be improved for certain
2: yeah and those are the kind of things that the tracking you talked of while you're typing that's what makes a screen magnifier difficult (laughs) to make, it's those things that require a lot of development. So don't know if they'll go that route, but you never know. The other thing is it would be nice to have the flash in the iPad 3 for the camera, not simply for taking a photo inside, but for the apps like vision assist and zoom reader, which hopefully will become available on the iPad 3 at some point. The OCR uh, works a lot better when you get a flash on that, on that text to brighten it up. It makes the OCR work yeah, a lot better. definitely.
1: biggest thing with taking pictures and OCR and things is, is lighting. you got to have good light. So if, if you're taking it in a dimly lit area, you're really going to have sort of grainy pictures and things. But it sounds like because of better fonts, better camera and better processor and better display for even better viewing of things like your draw something apps out there uh where it's got awful uh drawings of people that can't draw anyway uh it sounds like it could be a definite buy for the visually impaired but not so much for the totally blind or voiceover only users so i guess it depends on does your pocket feel heavy Well, it looks like we are at a good stopping point to take a small break uh, for a wonderful spot as well as a app review from Joe Steinkamp, the ranger himself. Uh, He is going to review Jetpack Joyride for iOS that you can actually get for your iPhone and I believe even your iPad and soon to be your iPad 3 because you're going to want it.
3: Hey, Mom. Why is the sky blue? Why don't animals talk? Why do dogs have wet noses? Why is an 11 pronounced one t one Kids ask a lot of questions. Why do I have a belly button? But Why you don't have, you have to know every answer. Why is the ocean salty? Because you don't have to be perfect
1: to be a perfect tree? parent.
3: Why are there 50 states?
1: There are thousands of children in foster care who don't need every question
3: answered. Why is pizza around? They just need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, it's Joe Steinkamp and I'm here on High Contrast to bring you a new feature. It's going to be app reviews of all sorts of things that we can do that are fun and exciting and not just all the productivity and GPS and all these other things. No, 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 We want to do things that are really fun too. And one of those things happens to be, of course, games, games for the iPad in this case. And uh, we've already spoken about how great the iPad is with being able to read web pages and contacts and things like that. But it actually has become one of my uh, secondary gaming devices here at the Ranger Station. And I get a chance to actually play it when I have to wrestle away from other family members. One of those games I get to play it uh, when I do have the time. It's got to be short. So Jetpack Joyride by Halfbrick Studios, the guys who brought you Fruit Ninja is a great game because it meets kind of some quick play needs. So if I have just a couple of minutes to play a game before I've got to get into something else, Jetpack Joyride will allow me to do that. But the most important part about the program is it's free. That's right. You can actually download it from the iOS app store and try it for yourself. And that's kind of important because what the game is, is called a free runner. And that's a video game term. And what it means is that there's always action happening on the screen and you are quote unquote running through obstacles that you have to avoid. And there's no stopping it. It's always going to be continuously moving. Now that sounds kind of daunting and that's another reason why I suggest that this is a free app and you can try it on your own. But what happens is that your character remains fixed on the left side of the screen. And the objects come towards your character, and you have to tap on the screen to get past these objects. Now, what will happen is that uh, missiles and electric pylons and coins and other objects will be going from right to left. So it'll always be scrolling towards you right to left. And if you tap the screen or hold your finger down on the screen, your little man will fly up in the air because he's wearing a jetpack. And you can actually get new jetpacks as you go. You can earn money to buy things that will help you get over obstacles. You can buy items that might help make things a little easier. And the idea of the game is that you want to try and get as many meters under you as possible. How far can you go before your little man gets uh, hit by a missile or electronically zapped by one of these pylons? And the thing about it is that it's constantly rewarding you. You have little missions that you can actually accomplish, and uh, you get three at a time, and one of them might be high-five 30 scientists on the ground, so you'll actually stay on the ground rather than flying up in the air, and you'll high-five these guys on the ground automatically as you walk past them. Or there might be another mission that says rub your head on the ceiling for 500 meters. And that's really simple, too, because you're just going to hold your finger down on the screen. So you rub your head up against the ceiling of the play field and uh, you still have to avoid all the pylons and missiles and things like that. But they're not too complicated at first so you can actually get a lot of these missions down. As you accomplish each mission, you'll be given a new one. Uh you have several levels that you can achieve and you can actually win the game and at the end of the game you can actually earn a badge and restart. And uh, you can actually get another badge. And the badges are kind of funny. They're, uh, you know, little sayings on them. And they don't account for much. But the game also has Game Center achievements. So there are actually other games that you can use. And if you challenge your friends, you can actually get through some of the Game Center achievements that are available for the game as well. These would be like uh, Flying... Uh, with certain jetpacks, a certain amount of yardage slash miles slash kilometers, or the ability to uh, get through a certain amount of obstacles, or maybe running into the bottom pylon three times in a row. Now, what keeps this interesting for me is that in the middle of the playfield, There's a little box that you can open, and it can actually turn your little man into another character. So you might turn into a hot rod and race down the screen. Or you might actually have a giant walker, and you turn into this mechanized robot that stomps around everywhere. And you also have another one called the prophet bird, which you have to tap on the screen like flapping bird wings to be able to raise or lower between all the pylons. The game is a lot of fun. I'm going to give you a little pro tip here. If you want to make money in the game pretty fast, you can actually spend about 99 cents and you get what's called a counterfeit device. There is a store within the game, so you can actually go over there and buy new pieces of equipment, but you can also spend real money and buy coins if you don't want to wait and uh, collect coins on your own. The counterfeit device allows you to double your coinage in each run of the game. And that can actually help you a great deal if you're trying to save up for a certain jetpack that you want, like maybe uh, the one that was out for Christmas that blows snow instead of uh, little machine gun bullets. Or you could actually get another jetpack uh, is a gigantic piggy bank and it flies up in the air with money falling out of it. They're cute little things like that. There's also costumes, so you actually could get a bunch of uh, Santa costumes and a Santa hat and have the snow jetpack for Christmas. And uh, there's zombie ones, and there's ones for Fruit Ninja. A lot of really interesting things so you can mix and match and uh, customize your character. In the latest update that just came out in April of 2012, they've just given a bunch of neat new things uh, like perks. And what perks mean... Well, in the game, it means something different, but in in what the most video games it is, is that you can actually customize your character with little things that might make things easier. So right now, what I've got is I've got one that will automatically give me a free token at the beginning of the game. So I can actually spin a slot machine to get more tokens if I want and more prizes when I finish the game of each run, or I can actually turn all the coins into gems and the gems are worth more money and that allows me to collect more money at a time. You can actually equip two of these items at a time. Uh, You can purchase them and slide them on and off, and this is actually uh, giving me all sorts of new things because you can actually have uh, sneakers that allow you to jump higher. You can have the ability to uh, turn into a ball and go a little further if you're trying to get a certain goal, like get past 1,700 or 2,000 meters. The game is very easy to see and this is one of the reasons why I recommended it and one of the reasons why we have it here on high contrast. The game is very much neutral colors on the backgrounds, there aren't too many crazy bright colors so if you have an issue with brightness or if you like to have say your text on white on black uh, you might like the game because the things that you need to see to avoid are very bright against the dark background. Another reason why I recommend this game for people with vision impairments is that the menus are white on black text, so they're very easy to read. The print isn't necessarily extremely small, Uh, You may have to break out a magnifier if you're somewhat of a 4X user on some screen magnification. It all depends. Uh, You can't necessarily zoom in and out on it, so you don't want to do that if that's what you're relying on. Um, I occasionally use a magnifier for some parts, but after I have learned where all of it is, it all becomes memorization at that point. So initially when you're trying to buy or look for a certain thing, you might actually have to use your reading glasses or your magnifying glass to be able to read certain parts of the screen. But uh, I've purchased most of everything in the game now, so I don't have to do that as much, and um, it's not very difficult once when you know where everything is. Uh, So that's also another reason why I think that this is a great game for those of us with low vision to play. The other thing about this particular thing is that you can actually kind of learn it non-visually. You know where your character is, and you're constantly looking to the right side of the screen to see what the next object is. And you eventually just kind of learn a pattern of knowing where your guy is and learning timing. As you increase speed in the levels, uh, you actually can get a good sense for, okay, I've got about a second and a half. If I don't do this, I'm, I'm dead on this round. And the cool thing is is that it's a, one of those games that you don't have to play for hours and hours on end if you don't want to. It's not really designed for you to do that. I have, but you can just play it for a couple of minutes while waiting in line. Or you can play it uh, while uh, waiting for dinner to be ready. Or you can uh, do it while uh, in the morning and just want something neat to play with. It is, again, let me stress it again, free. There are things you can spend money on within the game, but you don't have to. And you can find it on the iOS store. And it's very simple. Look for Jetpack Joyride by Half Brick Studios. And if this game isn't your cup of tea, you want something that's a little bit uh, more of uh, a game that, that's easy to play also, that demonstrates the iPad to your friends, and it's real simple for people to play, also look at Fruit Ninja. Now that game is, unfortunately, you have to pay money for that one. It's not a lot, I think it's about 99 cents. But it too on the iPad is a great game, real simple gameplay, one control. You don't have to learn lots of crazy buttons or put your fingers on 15 parts of the iPad. It's very, very simple. So Half Brick Studios Jetpack Joyride, go grab it now.
1: Well, this concludes our maiden voyage here on SPN. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast, and we'll come back for even more episodes if we are picked up. Uh, please pass this along to all your friends, family, colleagues, co-workers, and why not just sell you on the bus or something? Just tell people to listen. Uh, I want to pass along that Jeremy Curry had to drop out real quick on us real right here, so... Uh, is over at GWMicro.com and Mari Hill is still
2: here. Thanks, Rodney. I really enjoyed chatting with you and Jeremy. And yeah, I would like to reiterate that if this podcast is something that you could really relate to because you're visually impaired or you know someone that could use a little Uplifting because I know a lot of us, as visually impaired people, sometimes feel like we're the only ones because we're maybe the only ones in our town like this. Talk us up a bit and uh, come on back and listen to us. I think we have a, a lot more to say and a lot more to talk about. Thanks for listening. You can Hear more about what I have to say on AISquared.com slash blog, and we'll see you next time.